You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Ross Strader. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. I don't know about you, but I mean, this has been a great study. And it's been a great study because I have, for me personally, have enjoyed the reminder every week of what the gospel is and the power of the gospel of God in our lives. And I have found that even though it is something I know, it is something that I've written down, it is something that, you know, I can even say to myself, it's, a, it's, a, it's all of what Jesus has done, it's not up to me, um, I still need that reminder every week. I, I need to hear myself say that out loud. And so, um, I hope it is something that has, has marked us as God's people, as we have studied God's Word. And so, we're going to look at the first half of Galatians chapter 6 this morning, and then we're going to wrap up our Galatians series next week, and then we've got some um, something coming after that um, as we move into June. But Galatians chapter 6 is one of those chapters, Paul's coming to the end of this writing, and if you read it, it, it reads almost like a series of disconnected Proverbs. You, you could take any of the one verses in Galatians chapter 6. You could pull it out and go, oh, well, it kind of reads like Proverbs. You know, like bear one another's burdens and, um, you know, be careful what you sow and, um, you know, take care of your pastor, you know, stuff like that, which is weird. I'll tell you about that here in a second. It's weird to have to preach that. Um, but it can sound like a bunch of disconnected Proverbs, but I'll tell you, I think it's actually more than that. I think what Paul's doing is he's taking this that he's been arguing for five chapters, and that is the truth of this glorious gospel that he's, that he's gone to war for in the lives of the Galatians to say, listen, it is by grace, through faith, in Jesus alone. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. And he wants to make sure that he leaves this in writing for his friends of now what does this look like in your life? And this is something very different than just, you know, application at the end of a sermon. So, so if you think about it, sermons are kind of weird. You know, you, you got to be discerning when you listen to it. You can listen to a sermon and a guy can preach a sermon and he go, hey, listen, um, it's, it's all about what Jesus has done, and he can do that for 30 minutes, and he'll go, okay, now here's the application time. Pull out your pens. Here's five things you need. And the Spirit of God is at work in you, transforming you. Then what does the spiritual life look like on the street? And you put your shoes on, you go out the door, you live out on the street. What does it look like? How does it work? And, and listen, in the 21st century, when we talk about things spiritual, we talk about the spiritual life, we are the weirdest people, I think, in history. Am I right, Dante? I mean, can you, can, can you help me with this? I mean, we're totally weird. We are the most individualistic people in probably the history of the world when we think about things spiritual. One sociologist, Robert uh, Wuthnow, he said it this way. He said, Growing numbers of Americans piece together their faith like a patchwork quilt. 
Spirituality has become a vastly complex quest in which each person seeks his or her own way. I mean, we just, we have designer spirituality. I mean, I take a little bit from this book. I take a little bit of this from my own ideas. A little bit from this background. A little bit of this from Thursday's Oprah's episode. Right? And I piece all of this together and I create my own patchwork quilt of spirituality. And then I wrap myself up in it and and that's what I call being spiritual. You know, and I think the reality is people want from their spirituality something that's exciting. They want something that's enriching. Something that doesn't inconvenience them socially or financially or otherwise. Spiritually, we want an experience that aligns with our desires and our opinions and our preferences. We don't want anything that's uncomfortable or awkward or troublesome or bothersome or inconvenient or too costly. Our faith, we really, we want it personal and private. We, we don't want a faith. I mean, if we're being honest. But we don't want a faith that exposes us to vulnerability, to weakness, to loss, or, or loss of opportunities, a loss of options, embarrassment. And so what Paul's doing is he's helping the Galatians understand. What does it look like? And he's framed it all in this way, which is so crazy. Because, you know, we've talked about for all these weeks, it's not about the law. And you know what he says? Here's what it looks like to fulfill the law. So, you know, as a preacher, it's not about the law. It's not about the law. And then Paul comes along and says, here's what it looks like to fulfill the law. But, but, but it's not rules and, and rituals or ceremonies or regulations. It's not secret handshakes and passwords. It's, he says it's, it's fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said that in chapter 5. That's how the whole law is fulfilled. See, the Judaizers, those opponents, they'd come in and say, well, here's the whole list of the law. This is how you do it. It begins with circumcision. And then there's all these things that you do. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not it. It's one word. And last week we looked at the difference between being under the law and being led by the Spirit. And to fulfill the law is to be led by the Spirit because the Spirit, He leads us in the direction of His desires. And when we follow the Spirit in His desires, we find that our life produces these supernatural fruits from God. Our our life is a supernatural outflowing of what God is doing. In other words, when we are following, being led by the Spirit of God, we find that our life, He leads us every step, with every step, into who we are in Christ. And it's in following the Spirit of God that we discover more and more the power of God that indwells us and is working to transform us. And so this morning, what we're going to see is that the gospel of God 
this gospel of Jesus, it transforms us not only internally, because it does that, it radically does that. It's the heart of the new covenant promises where we get a new heart, we get a new mind, we get new affections, we get new desires, it cleanses our conscience. But this morning, Paul's going to show us that this gospel of Jesus transforms us not only internally, but you know what else? It does something more. It transforms us interpersonally, systemically, so that the gospel not only changes us and makes us new, but it also has the power to change our relationships, to make our families new, our systems new. See, when sin entered the world, it broke us as humans. I mean, for one thing, death and decay came to our bodies. Guilt and shame came to our consciences. Sin created in us the need to hide ourselves from God, and then we rebelled against Him. And because of this, sin also deeply fractured our ability to relate to one another. It damaged our ability to deeply connect intimately with each other in the brokenness that sin created in each of us internally damaged our ability to relate interpersonally. So whether it's our tendency to look to others to fix what's wrong inside of us, thus what we do is we heap burdens and expectations on those around us to fix what can never be fixed or needs that can never be met by other broken human beings. And so that leads to disappointment or anger or bitterness or our tendency to be self Protective and it plays out in manipulation and false vulnerability, pushing others away, stubborn independence, leads to loneliness, isolation, aloofness, arrogance, pride. You know how it goes. And what Paul is saying, he said it back in 5, it leads to us fighting and devouring one another. And so he says, watch out, don't be consumed by each other. And last week what we said is that the Spirit, as we're changed internally, the Spirit goes where the law can't go. As it changes, as he changes us internally. And here we're going to see the Spirit has the ability to go where the law can't go in our relationships. See, the law, it can govern the conduct of our civility, but it has no power to cultivate relationship, no power to bring healing, no power to foster forgiveness, no power to restore what's been lost or overcome motives, or celebrate humility, or stand guard over to, to protect moments that are fragile and vulnerable in each other's lives. But the Spirit of God, in the community of God, has the ability to do that. So look at what he says. I'm going to start reading in chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to read, Oh, we're just going to look at these ten verses. And then we'll finish up chapter 6 next week. But look at what he says. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul's super into self-help, you know, uh, positive, uh, this is a joke, all right, keep going. Whew, tough crowd, must be the rain, all right. Four, but let each one test his own work, and, his, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. 
for each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap the uh, will will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the scenario here at the very beginning, in verse 1, Paul paints, is, is there's a believer, they're running from sin, but instead, sin runs over the believer. Sin, sin catches the believer. Sin caught up to him, overtook him, hunted him down, and took him down. And legalists, legalists have rocks in their pockets, ready to throw their stone. Do you know this? Legalists carry a rock in their pocket, ready to throw the stone, ready to break a bone, ready to accuse, ready to catch the brother in sin, ready to convict, ready to shame, ready to bring them down. People who are under the law, they want to use the law. They need to use the law. And they need to look for reasons to employ the law as often as they can. Do you know why? Because it builds them up. People under the law need to use the law because when they use the law, it builds them up. It makes them superior. It inflates their position in the hierarchy. It gives them the upper hand. It confirms their own righteousness. Because there's nothing that makes you feel feel better... than to see somebody caught in their sin. Nothing that makes you feel more righteous than to see somebody wallowing in their unrighteousness. And you know, in John chapter 8, Jesus comes across a mob. And they're about to stone a woman who's caught in adultery. And conveniently, the man's not there. But they've got their woman. And so, Jesus comes and he says, He who's without sin cast the first stone. And that's all he's got to say. And the text says that starting with the oldest, they begin to drop their stones. And so it, it, maybe it's because it's wisdom, or maybe it's the accumulation of life lived. Either way, there's only one innocent person there. There's only one righteous person there. There's only one person left. And the one who has the right to throw a rock stood there instead as a shield. If anyone's caught, you who are spiritual should restore him. You know what the word restore means? It's a Greek word. It's used in settings. So uh, when, when you set a broken bone, that's the word. When you mend a, a net, a fishing net, that's the word. And, and notice, in a spirit of gentleness, if you went back to chapter 5, verse 23, in the list of the, of the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's more than just a natural temperament. It's a supernatural maturity that comes from those who are led by the Spirit of God. Those who are spiritual, that's what he means. See, the natural man in us, the instinct is to amputate. Cut him off. 
cut them off, man. The Spirit leads us to restore, to mend. One of the defining marks of those who are spiritual, did you notice? It's not overconfidence in one's own righteousness, but rather this holy sobering of the fact that sin, you know what sin does? It overruns you. It's fast. It's on the move. We have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. And at any moment, I could be next. That Paul writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he falls. I love how Martin Luther puts it. He says, I like... He says, if you see a brother in terror because of sin, of which he's been guilty, run to him. Extend your hand to him. Hold his hand in his fallen state and comfort him with sweet words and embrace him with your motherly arms. He's got that right. That's what we do. Then Paul goes on, and, and these are not disconnected statements. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul calls it the law of Christ. What does he mean by this? What's the law of Christ? Well, I think we can understand if you think about the life and ministry of Christ. And so in John 15, if you go back to John's Gospel, John 15 Jesus says, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for his friends. And if you're my friends, you do what I command. And what has he commanded him? Well, love one another. And he told him earlier, just a little bit before this, love one another. They'll know you're my disciples. How? That t-shirt you wear? By your love for one another. Do you know how Jesus loved us? He laid down his life for us. Do you know how he laid down his life for us? By bearing our burdens, Isaiah says. Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of all of us. We were saved because Jesus bore our sin. But He also continues to bear our burdens. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. You know how you humble yourself? By casting with all your might 
your anxieties, your burdens on Him. Because He cares for you. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, the reason we do this is because there, there are folks around us in our life that carry more than they can carry, have more than they can carry right now in their life. You know, I was convicted about this. I was thinking about this, thinking about it this week, and I was asking myself, am I aware of the burdens that the people in my life bear? What, am I aware of them? And then I asked myself the next question. What burdens am I helping those in my life bear right now? It's a good question to ask. Am I helping anybody carry their load? And I'll tell you why this is important. Because look at verse 3. He says, For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. The question actually reveals what Paul's getting at, self-importance. Are you someone who thinks he's something? So, so there's that. There's arrogance, pride, self-importance. There's an aroma about that. When you're consumed with yourself, you don't have any room for anybody else. You end up consuming those around you. Hel helping others is possible only for those who have the mind of Christ. This is what he writes about Philippians. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. But people who think they're something, Paul says they're deceived, which means, in fact, they're really nothing. Nobody's trying to be somebody. He's trying to get ahead. And when you're trying to get ahead, you're a nobody trying to be a somebody. You don't have space and time for anybody. You don't have capacity or generosity or kindness or margin or anything else for anybody else's burden. People are problems, right? People are problems. Their problems are problems. People slow you down. They're in your way. They're obstacles between where you are and what you're entitled to. And instead of bearing anybody else's burdens, you actually resent their burdens. And so when you see life this way, Paul says that's a great deception. Because when you see life this way, it's a loveless life. It's a life void of true living. It's a life void of true relationship, of joy, of meaning, of what it means to be created in the image of God. Your life is hollowed out. You're going through the motions of time and space, but you're not doing anything more than existing. Instead, verse 4, stop looking around. Stop measuring your performance, your importance, relative to how you get ahead of those in your life. See, you completely miss the point of relationships if you use people in your life as benchmarks of your worth and your significance, of your own failure or your misfortune. If your relationships in your life are the benchmark of, I'm making it or I'm not making it. Everything's a competition. 
I'm, I'm doing better than this person or not as well as this person. I mean, I see what God's doing in their life. God's not doing this in my life. I, need, I want God to be doing that in my life. See, that's not the measure of good and bad. That's not the measure of success and failure. That's not the measure of God's pleasure or displeasure. Instead, what Paul says is, simply look at what you're doing. Is it the right thing to do? I mean, with the gifts you have, the time God's given you, the understanding that God's Spirit's led you to, if so, praise God. If not, adjust your course, ask for counsel, seek some guidance, pray for wisdom, seek His direction, confess your sin, don't rationalize. You have been created by God. Psalm 139 says He ordained your day, so walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says He created good works for you in Christ Jesus that you would walk in them if, when you're led by the Spirit. So stop looking at your neighbor. Stop looking at your Facebook feed for your worth in Christ. It's not a tournament. It's not a beauty contest. Not a sales competition. Not a spiritual gladiator show or dancing with stars. I mean, it's not that. What's God given you? What are the opportunities He's put in your path? What are the resources you've been interested to? Whose name are you making big? That's the question. So he's continuing this. He, he says in verse 6. Now I'll tell you what I think he's doing in verse 6. Let, let the one who's taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. So it's one of those weird verses for a preacher. I told you this. The general principle is true. So it's throughout Scripture. As believers, we should freely, voluntarily support those who minister the Word of God to us. We should be generous with that. But what's interesting is... It is, it is a principle that Paul affirms. He teaches it, but he never invokes this principle for himself. Did you notice? I mean, he never demands it for himself. In fact, he often goes to great lengths in his ministry to be a, uh, not to be a personal financial burden to those he ministers to. Not because he believes there's anything wrong with it, but because of the freedom that it brings him, because of the ongoing controversies of his opponents. He's quick to be generous for the support of the of the. Of the the believers in Jerusalem, all of this. So, it's a principle, yes. But I think Paul has even a bigger point here, maybe a more specific point. He's, what he's trying to do is say, listen, Galatian believers, the guys that have come in, the, the, the ones that have come in, the, the Judaizers, they're fleecing you. Turn away from them. Turn back again to the good things of grace. Come once again to the blessings of God's abundant mercy. and Come back to the table of grace together. That's what he's saying. And then in 7 and 8, look, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, he'll also reap. And then in verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So two things to say about this. One, he's not talking about karma. What goes around comes around. The cross destroys karma, obliterates it. It's not that. John Stott 
touches on one aspect of what Paul's saying. He says it this way. He says, every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, to nurse a grievance, to entertain and in pure fancy wallow in self-pity, we're sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company, whose insidious influence we know we can't resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk that strains our self-control, we're sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. And Stott's right. That's very. That's absolutely one aspect that Paul is driving at here. You sow seeds of the flesh, you're going to reap to the flesh. There's also something else I think Paul is getting at, and that, in the context, did you notice he says, his own flesh. See, in the context, what I think he's, I think he's also saying is there's this inward focus, a self. There's a self focus at the heart of this. If you looked back up at the last verse of chapter five, chapter five, verse twenty-six, he says, "Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another." The word "conceited" there. In the, if you have the King James Version, one, huge props to you, okay? But if you have the King James Version, the, it, the word is translated vainglory. Let us, let us not seek vainglory. Let, let us not go on seeking glory, the vanity of self-glory, is what he's saying. And he who sows his own flesh, you sow in a way that you reap glory for yourself. See, the reality, you, you were created for glory. You were. It's true. I mean, the ultimate glory that matters, I mean, the glory that you were created for is the praise of the Father. I mean, you were created for the glory of the Father. You were created here. Well, well done. Well done. You were built for that, designed for that. You have a longing for that. But sin separated us from the God who created us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of Yet we crave and hunger for glory. And so we seek it from everywhere else. We're pariahs for it. We, we seek it from everywhere we use. Everyone, we sow for it. We seek to reap it. You know what Paul says? 
it leads to our corruption. That's what he says. The issue in verses 7 and 8 is what is the pursuit of your life? What are you ultimately seeking? Are you seeking to devour everything out there relationally? To fill up all these needs you have. You'll ruin every relationship you have. Given enough time, you will ruin every relationship you have. Given enough time. Cannot, it cannot bear it. Or, the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. See, we sow in a different way, by grace. We do not sow for ourselves. What Paul's saying, listen, we sow, we sow into each other for the glory of God. Listen to, listen to Philippians chapter 2. He's going to use the same word. Listen to what he says. Philippians chapter 2. And I'll wrap it up here. But this is what he says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh, Greater love than this than the one who lays down his life. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed upon him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee would bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whose name are you making big? Whose glory are you seeking? See, we seek spirituality. Most of us. Seek a spirituality that that's exciting to us and enriching to us. And Paul says, no, that's the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. We are seeking the enriching of those around us. And that, that's grace fulfilled. The grace poured out on us fulfilled. The, the freedom given to us fulfilled, fully experienced as it is poured outward those around us. That's why he says in verse 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap, and we do not give up. He says, we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. You know, there's over 41 another passages in the New Testament. Over 40. Of how we can now, by the Spirit, live with one another. This isn't a list of things to, to do. But by the Spirit, how to live with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. 
We're individually members of one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. When's the last time you when's the last time you were with somebody that way? Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Here's one. Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. There you go. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Careful. Comfort one another. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace with one another. Through love, serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Here you go. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do not lie to one another. Encourage one another. Do good to one another. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Do not speak evil against one another. Do not grumble against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Here you go. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. It's not a secret. There's no passwords or rituals. No ceremonies. It's the Spirit drawing us together. Fulfilling the law of Christ in one word. As the grace poured out on us overflows to one another. You want to know the freedom for which Christ sets you free? Get in proximity. Bear one another's burdens. Sow into each other's lives. Be amazed at the power of God. The grace of God at work in you. So you're searching for it in all the wrong places. We search for it in all the wrong places. We're, we're, we're looking inside, trying to get it. We sow it into each other. That's where the harvest comes. It's the body of Christ. That's how God's designed us. Hey, listen, we're going to finish Galatians together next week. I can't wait. I don't want you to miss it. Come back. We're going to... We might even have punch, Fritz. Right, well, we can't ruin the carpet, right? Spill it wherever you want. I don't know.
punch, maybe. All right, so come back. Galatians and punch, all right? Let's pray. Father, thanks for the...